So today I have the privilege of uh, ending this series that we've called Everyday Prayer. And so we're going to look at Psalm 150. Uh, and if you have a Bible you want to turn there, you, you can look at it with us. But as you're turning there, um, how, how many of you ever jumped on a trampoline? How many of you ever jumped on a trampoline? Yeah, mo- most people jumped on a trampoline. When our kids were young, they got a trampoline for Christmas one year. And I don't know, it has this... Um, it has this magnetic effect. It has this crazy effect. Maybe, I don't know, on everybody. It has it on me for sure. We would get on the trampoline, you know, get your shoes off, get your, your, have your socks on, you get on the trampoline, and the minute I'd start jumping, I'd start this, just grinning and laughing, and I couldn't stop. Because it's like you're defying gravity. You know, you're floating around, you know, doing flips. And we had the most fun uh, on that trampoline. Uh, our, our boys actually had a little too much fun one time. When they were, when they were little... I came home from work one evening, and I pulled in the driveway, and I could, I, as, in the distance, there, our neighborhood was flat, and I could see their little heads popping up, you know, behind the wooden fence. And I knew they were out there. I said, oh, isn't that fun? And the closer I got, the more I realized something was wrong. And here's what it was. They decided if jumping on a trampoline's fun, what must be more fun is jumping on a trampoline without clothes. <laughs> and I guess in their little child mind, they reasoned, well, what could be the harm? We're in the backyard. Nobody can see us. And that's true if you're not on a trampoline. So as I pulled up, every, every now and then they would come all the way above the, and I, oh, Jesus. You know, what are they doing over at the pastor's house? You know, I knew there was something wrong with that church. It's a nudist church. You know, all the things that go through my mind. I said, Lord, we've got to get them off there. There aren't many things that you can do in life um, where there are no limits. And certainly there was at least one limit to the trampoline that we hadn't done a good job explaining up until that moment. A few years later, we took our kids to, uh, um, for their birthday, a trampoline park. You ever been to a trampoline, trampoline park? You know what that is? It's just a wall-to-wall trampolines, you know, and you just kind of hop across the horizon. You know what I mean? And you feel like a rabbit. And we played dodgeball, you know, on the trampoline. It's like you're in space. You're like, oh, you, you think you got me? You didn't know I could jump 10 feet. You know, you're like doing Karate Kid. You feel, you feel crazy like a superhero. And then they, my dream, they had a basketball goal. And I thought, everybody move. You know, I've never been able to even touch the rim at my height. But I'm talking about jam. Like I'm hurting my arms, you know, about to break one of my arms. You know, what are you in third grade? Move. You know, just taking over. Like who's the guy? Who's the dad out here? I loved it. And then they had this, um, this, uh, uh, this pool of styrofoam shapes. I, I don't know, like little blocks and triangles. And you could jump off a trampoline into it. And I thought, there, there it is. There, there, it's impossible to get hurt. So I just triggered and went, yeah! You know, and I went running the thing, and I bounced on the trampoline. I, I got as much spring as I could get. And then I shot off of there, and I went into a full dive like a cliff dive. Shoo! And it never occurred to me until I was stuck upside down, completely submerged in an ocean of seafoam, that maybe you ought not to do that, because you get stuck there. And I got stuck upside down. My feet were completely buried, head down in it. And then I went, oh, I can't move. And then I thought, can I breathe? <sighs> okay, I can breathe. <laughs> but I start to try to maneuver myself back the right direction, and I'm just sweating in this pool of sweat and styrofoam, and I'm trying to move. And finally I get my head above the water, you know, the, the foam line. 
and I look around, and I'm just treading foam. Like, I can't, I can't get anywhere. And it sucked one of my socks off. It just like it vacuumed. I never saw that sock again. I don't know where it is. I guess when they close the property, they'll find it. But there it is stuck in the bottom, and I'm just kind of, sw- you know, trying to swim out. And I could only get my head above because I just kept sinking. I guess it was made for kids, you know. There I was. And I'm just trying to find my way out. It felt like 30 minutes. It probably wasn't that long, but it, I, I'll tell you how long it was. A line of children had formed that wanted to play in the styrofoam pool, but this idiot dad was in there hogging it, and they'd only let one in at a time, and parents are like, I was very popular, you know, for a little while. Finally, I got out, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm not going back in. But, but there aren't very many things you can do in life that are just absolutely unlimited. Just go for it. Jump in. Head first. Whatever you want to do. But that is what Psalm 150 invites us to do. It's an invitation to unlimited praise. It's an invitation to unlimited freedom. Unfettered invitation to just praise God. Now before we look at Psalm 150, I just want to give you two background thoughts that'll help us understand the psalm, okay? So here's the first one. Psalm 150 is a conclusion. It's not an introduction. And now you may go, well, duh, it's the last one. Yes, I know, I know. But uh, it's a little more to it than that. About the first half of the book of Psalms are laments. In other words, they're, they're grievings over the brokenness of humanity and the pain in the world. But somewhere in the middle of the journey, those laments start to turn to praise. And the further you get to the end of the book, the more they begin to praise. And you get to Psalm 145, and it turns to all praise. And then you end at Psalm 150, and it's praise the Lord. That's how it ends. Psalms, the book of Psalms, is a metaphor for life. And here's what it teaches us. The longer you journey with God, the more you praise Him. The longer you journey with God, the more you praise Him. Somewhere on the road, the pain turns to praise. Now, we don't get there easily, and we don't get there early. But if you keep walking with God, you will eventually get there. Sometimes you may encounter an older person, you know, who's walked with God for a long time. And the people who've walked with God for a long time, if you'll notice, just listen real close. Occasionally, they tend to say something like this. Well, praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. Or praise the Lord anyway. And our culture has a tendency to look at them and say, well, they're just an old fool. You know, you're out of touch. Your memory's slipping. You don't know what's going on. You don't really understand these modern days and the pressure that we feel and everything that we're going through. You don't really understand all of this, but here's what they've learned. It's not denial, it's depth. They found praise through the pain in the journey with God. Because praising God is the greatest statement of rebellion to darkness and brokenness that you and I can ever exhibit. Every time you praise God, you're making a statement, a declaration. And here's what the declaration is. 
Jesus is coming. And one day, all the brokenness and all the tears and all the pain will end. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That's what you're saying. Eugene Peterson said it like this. The end of prayer is praise. What better way could you end a book of prayer than in praise? So, it's, it's not only the conclusion of the book, but watch this. It's the conclusion of your life. To really understand Psalm 150, you have to go all the way back to Psalm 1. Twelve weeks ago, I stood here and, we, and I taught you about Psalm 1. To understand Psalm 150, you have to go back to Psalm 1. Look at Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. Now you might say, what does that have to do with praise or what does it have to do with Psalm 50? Psalm 1 is the person who chooses to walk the blessed way. Psalm 150 is the conclusion of the person who has walked the blessed way. You start out in blessing and you end in praise. That's how it works. Psalm 1 is not God's goal for your life. The goal is not obedience. Watch. Obedience is the method. The goal is a spirit that's been freed by praise and glory to God. That's the goal of our life. It's just we got to go through Psalm 1 to get to Psalm 150. You don't skip anything. And there's a lot of where are you, God, and when are you, God, and how long is this going to take, God, all through Psalms. If I could summarize, and this is very dangerous, (laughs) because um, of all the commentators I've read, they end with some thought like this, will anybody ever completely understand the book of Psalms? (laughs) Because it's so rich. But I'm going to try in a very elementary and pedestrian way to summarize the book of Psalms in one sentence. Here it is. The life that walks in God's blessed way will end in praise. (laughs) The life that walks in God's blessed way will end in praise. So it's the conclusion of the book of Psalms. It's the conclusion of your life. It's also the conclusion of the whole world. Revelation 5.13 says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever. It's all going to end in praise. It's all going to end in praise. So, Here's the, here's the second background thought, okay? Before we get there, before we get to the psalm. Psalm 150 is an invitation without conditions. Now this is probably the most um, startling part of the psalm to me. In the last two years, I, I've, I've probably done more paperwork than I've done the rest of my life combined. And when you do all this technical paperwork, you have these conditions and terms and exclusions. And you know, if you make a profile for something online and you sign up, you know you're going to have to scroll past, you know, eight size font for about an hour down to the bottom to this little box that says, do you agree? And you say, Jesus, help me. I agree. I can't read all that. I hope I'm going to be okay. 
who knows what we're signing, you know. God, please, please protect me. Yes, I agree. There it is. And we live in such a technical and litigious and stringent and contractual and if you will do this and get all your ducks in line and do you have all your paperwork and do you have everything in order. We live in such a society like that now. But that is nothing like Psalm 150. Psalm 150 takes this unimaginable risk. This amazing risk. It doesn't talk about making sure that you have your mind clear about what all this means. It doesn't talk about social activism. It doesn't talk about is your doctrine right or how sincere is your heart or are you walking in integrity or are you experiencing joy or are you living love out as a commitment, not just a feeling. It has a laser focus into unfettered and free and surrendered praise to God. That's it. There's nothing else. That's all there is. <laughs> it screams at us. Don't let life become overcomplicated. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's what it says. Don't let it become overcomplicated. Now, here's what I find. Praising God doesn't come natural to any of us. We all have to learn it. And praising God is not about volume. It's not about how loud can you be. And it's not about how, you know, extraordinary of something you can do physically. It's not about that. It, 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 it's not about moving outside your personality. It's actually not much about what's happening out here except as much as it is an expression of what's going on in here. It's about freedom of spirit. That's what it is. It's about the liberty of the soul, which is God's goal for you, that your soul would be free. And that's, and that's what it's about. So I want us to just try it this morning, okay? You don't, you don't have to do anything weird, and you don't have to be loud. And if you're watching online, I want you to, you know, maybe you're in the airport watching this, and, you know, you can whisper, <laughs> But I just want us to try it together just to say, you know, praise the Lord. Okay, so would you do that with me? Here we go. One, two, three. Yeah, 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 there you go. Now the question is, are you talking to me or to you? Praise the Lord is both a statement and an encouragement to who's listening. I'm praising the Lord. Praise the Lord. You praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Which one is it? <laughs> it's both. It's both. So, with that background, let's look at Psalm 150. Psalm 150 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. So, there's four sanctuaries. Okay, when it says praise the Lord in the sanctuary, praise the Lord in the heavens, there's four spheres of praise, of environments. Four of them, <laughs> if you want to jot these down. One is heaven. Heaven is the sanctuary of God. And it's where the angels circle around the throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they praise God and give glory to His name. And then there's you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if Jesus lives in your heart, 
then you're a sanctuary. Your, your body, your soul is a sanctuary. And Jesus lives inside you. And the presence of God lives inside you. And you praise the Lord in this sanctuary. And, and then there's the church. I don't mean this building. This is, this is a building. It's just a building. It's not a sanctuary. We have the sign sanctuary on the door, but it's not a, it's not a heavenly sanctuary. It's, not a, it's just a building. But wherever God's people gather on earth, when His people gather together, two or three or more in my name, in a small group, in a life group, in a team, in a congregation, in a, in a, in a conference center, in a stadium, outside, wherever God's people gather, that's a sanctuary. And he's saying, hey, when you're there, praise the Lord. <laughs> when you're here, praise the Lord. The angels in heaven are praising the Lord. And then there's one more, it's creation. Creation is a sanctuary. The trees and the grass and the fields and the sky and the heavens and the stars. And, and the James Webb telescope is never going to find anything that God didn't create to praise him. Never going to find anything. <laughs> it's a sanctuary. It's the sanctuary of God. And all creation praises Him. So, here's the first thought, number one. In every place, that pretty much covers everywhere, praise the Lord. Would you say it with me again? Praise the Lord. Verse 2. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. This is the only place in Psalm 150 that even tries to give us the reason on why we ought to praise God. This, this psalm's not really about why, it's just about do it. But, it. but we do have a little spot here. Two things. One is, praise Him for His acts of power. What are His acts of power? When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, when God flooded the whole earth but saved humanity on Noah's boat, when He parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel moved from poverty and slavery into the promised land, when God formed a rainbow to say, I won't do that again. <laughs> that, was a, that was a, when Jesus walked on water, when God created with his voice the whole universe. And then there's the things that God's done in your life. When I was 16 years old, God gave me a scripture that confirmed my calling. And about three years ago, I was at a church where I didn't know anybody except the pastor. And a guy stood up to sing a song before I gave my testimony where I was going to use that scripture five times. And he said, God put a scripture on my heart last night, and here it is. And you know which one it was. It was the same one. I've seen God work in my life in ways that are undeniable and unexplainable. So praise Him for His mighty acts, because there's a lot of them. And then praise Him for His greatness. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He is eternal and immortal and all-powerful and all-loving and all-wise. And Psalm says in Him, we live and move and have our being. So we are to praise Him for His greatness. Psalm 150 demands that we get a fresh vision of God. And it basically says to our soul, if you don't have a reason to praise God, look again. Because you're not seeing Him. You're seeing this. You're seeing suffering. You're seeing the news. You're seeing the weight of all that's around you. But you're not seeing Him. Number two, 
for every reason. Praise the Lord. Would you say it? Praise the Lord. Verse 3. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Man, I'm glad this verse is not about only musicians can praise God. Because I'm out. I'm not even good at the gazoo. You know what this, one of the things that this, these three verses are about? In ancient Israel, different categories of people were assigned different instruments. So, for example, the priest would blow the horn. The Levites would play the harp. The women would dance and play the tambourine, the timbrel. And so what this scripture is saying to us is, Every class and every group of people. Praise the Lord. So whether you're rich or you're poor, or you have musical talent or you don't have musical talent, whether you're single or married, whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian, whether you're a priest or a a commoner, whether this is your first Sunday or you've been here 40 years, it's an invitation to everybody. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Number three, with every expression, praise the Lord. Would you say it one more time? Praise the Lord. The last verse, verse six. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God created Adam. And when he created Adam, he formed his body, and then he came and he, the Bible says he blew the breath of life into his lungs. And God's never done that again in that way for any other human. But God's breath is so powerful, he need not blow it again. He blew into the lungs of the first human, and what happens is every generation that's come after Adam breathes that same breath. When you go to the hospital and a new baby's born and that little baby sucks breath in for the first time and lets it out, it's the same breath. And you know what praise is? It's giving back to God what He gave to you. He gave you that breath. And when you praise Him, you're giving that breath back to Him. That's why He gave it to you. So you're breathing the breath of life. The breath of life that God has given you as a gift is returned back to Him in praise. And that's what happens when you praise Him. Do you know I said there's um, Psalm 150 talks about praise being unlimited. There's no condition. There actually is one condition. You have to be breathing. And if you're breathing, you meet the requirement. No other condition needed. (laughs) Let everything that has breath. So number four, with every breath, praise the Lord. Come on, one more time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I, a couple years ago, the Lord really challenged me on this thought. And this is what I want you to know because you might have been sitting here during this service kind of glassy-eyed going, what on earth does this have to do with Monday? 
Come on, please tell me something that has to do. Do you understand my life? Do you know what I'm going through? No, the answer is no. I don't know what you're going through. I know what I went through. About a year and a half ago or a little more, my wife's condition continued to diminish. And I was getting to the point of such complete brokenness and helplessness, I knew something had to change. And so I went to prayer. And I said, God, change something. I was way past the point of trying to assign to God what should change. I'm not even going to tell you what to change. I'm not even going to specifically ask for just change anything. Change the circumstances. Heal her body. Give me more strength. Give me direction. Something. And months went by. And I heard nothing. I saw nothing. I heard nothing. No sign. No circumstantial change. No guidance. No voice. No inner leading. Nothing. And one day I was walking and praying. And, I, and I, the Holy Spirit whispered something to my heart. And He said, look, look back at Habakkuk chapter 3. And uh, you, you might not have this history at Kingwood, but about 10 years ago, we started doing book studies every summer. Like we're studying Psalms this summer. And one of the first books we studied was Habakkuk. And I'm so glad we did. I preached from chapter 3. And so when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, go read chapter 3, I, I, knew, I knew what we're talking about. And I went back to chapter 3, and I read it. And I want to read it to you today. It says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So as I read that, I said, okay. Now, now let, me give you the, let me give you my translation of that, okay? When there are no signs of God's work, when you can't hear Him say anything, when there is no direction, when He does not intervene, when He does not heal, and it doesn't even seem like He notices anymore. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, that's tough. I thought, God, I don't need, I don't need that. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> I don't need that. I need a miracle. And it's the only thing I heard. And then weeks went by. And weeks went by. And I heard nothing else. And so I would show up and I would praise Him. And some days I did it mad God why would I even praise you today what have you done that I would praise you okay I heard you I'll do it some days I felt too tired to do it God I'm so tired I don't have anything to give you I have nothing wait 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 I do I do have one thing 
breath. I have breath. So God, I'll give you breath. It's all I have. Praise you. I think some days I wasn't even sincere. Praise you. Whatever. You know. But I just kept praising him. And somehow I began to understand that the goal of my life wasn't, listen, obedience. It was freedom of spirit. And as I praised him, God continued to free my spirit. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me this morning. And those of you who are online, I want you to turn the volume up. Because <laughs> here's what I want you to know. Whether you're tired or overwhelmed or broken or anxious or doubting or frustrated or don't know where you stand with God, there are no conditions. If you got breath, you got something to give them this morning. <laughs> And what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to praise Him. And as we do praise Him, some of you are going to begin to feel some of the heaviness and the bondage that sat on you begin to float off. <laughs> because that's what praising God does. And that's, what, that's the reason God gets... Praise is not a job. It's not a prerequisite. It, it, is, um, it is a gift. That God gave us to free us. Because <laughs> it changes our view on things. So Lord, this morning we come in this place. And we, and we gather online right now to praise you. To lift your name up. Whether you're saved or not saved. Whether, whatever. Whatever. There is no exclusion. There is no one left out. Inside our own personalities, Lord, we come today to praise you. We come today to acknowledge you, to make a statement of faith about you. Lord, to, to not live in denial, but live in greater depth. So God, we come to praise you today in Jesus' name.